Our gospel today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Jesus put before the crowds another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weed among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, an enemy has done this. The slave said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time, I will tell the reapers. Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Jesus answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sow them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out all they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Oh, we are in the book of Matthew, aren't we? <laughs> I, I always kind of forget, and I forget that Matthew can be some of the most difficult texts in our uh, lectionary season. But last week we had the parable of the sower and the seeds, and now we have the wheat and the weeds. And I have been paying a lot of attention to weeds lately in my life, mainly because of our move to our new place and also the new goats who have joined our family. I love our new home, and when we first moved in, a lot of our yard and the surrounding property had been overgrown with weeds and hadn't really been kept up, especially our yard. When we first moved in, there were weeds in our little back area, so tall that our dog, Anna, couldn't get through them <laughs> to run and play. And so in this time, in this last few months of quarantine, I have become a powerhouse with a weed whip weed whacking and mowing down as much of the sometimes five foot tall grassy leaves as I can. And I've gotta say, it is super rewarding to spend an hour just getting rid of so many weeds, to be able to see our yard or the field or the orchard as this suddenly walkable, usable space, clear of all that ickiness, I find myself looking for spaces around the property that could use a little bit of a cleanup these days. And I never seem to be short of places that could use a little weed whipping. So I can kind of understand the servants in our parable today. I, I understand their inclination to dive in headfirst to start clearing out the bad stuff. Because when you're doing the weed whipping, when you're just mowing down five foot tall weeds, you kind of have these wonderful feeling of 
so much work done in such a short amount of time. And so I understand that they want to just clear out all the bad stuff, especially since although they ask the owner why he planted the bad seeds or how the bad seeds got there, they were likely the ones who did the initial planting as the servants. And so I wonder how much of their own worries about this sudden crop of weeds was their own worries for their own well-being and livelihoods. So I can understand wanting to make quick work of any perceived mistake. And that's all well and good unless you have things growing that you don't want to mow down. Like, say, a field filled with wheat. You don't want to lose all of that good stuff and eagerness to get rid of the bad. For me, from my particular experience lately, a pasture filled with good foliage along with some not so good. Because one of the nice things about goats is some of the misnomers that they're basically their own little weed whackers. That's not totally true, but they do eat a lot of weeds and a lot of tall foliage in pastures which is awesome. They get to graze and run and play, and I'll often find them on the far fence waiting for me to come and visit them as they jump and find new daisies to munch on. But what I've learned is that letting them into that big pasture means that much of the weedy grasses that are food and entertainment to them, there's also a lot of weeds that they can't have that will either make them sick, could, is straight up poison or would affect their milk production. And even though we kind of have the image of goats as these extreme eaters, they're kind of particular and sensitive. So for the most part, they'll avoid those plants and work around them. And so in their small pasture, I have all of these little buttercups that they will not eat and everything else is sort of mowed down. But what I'm also finding as a new goat owner, goat mom, is that I want to protect them. And although they have plenty of food and they'll avoid some of those toxic weeds, I want to make sure that they're going to have as safe a pasture for them to freely graze and play as possible. And so just going out with a weed whip is not the best plan to secure safe foliage for my goats. And instead, it's a matter of going out with a spade and my phone filled with pictures of all the toxic plants, and golly, there's a lot of them, trying to decipher what must be pulled, what must stay, what can stay. And although the reward is happy and healthy goats, after hours of milling about the pasture, I'm not left with that same clear space of productive bliss that I get with the weed whip. I'm left usually with a small pile of toxic plants and a pasture that looks about the same as I left it. And for the landowner and his servants, they don't have a smartphone to show them which are the weeds and which are the wheat. And the landowner knows that the servants will likely do more damage than good as they pull out the good with the bad. And as a side note, it's a great reminder about what happens when we try to judge others. <laughs> The landowner tells the servants to wait, that in the end, when everything is done, he'll be the one making the judgment call, not them. And I think I want to make sure everybody is muted here really quick. I think we got it. Okay, there we go. Always a little bit of technology adjustments through all of this. And so, thinking about this text, again, um, it's not one of my favorites for obvious reasons, 
But I don't think this text is about who is bad and who is good. I don't think the children of the evil one or the children of God are singular individuals because the truth is we as humans are more complex than weeds and wheat. No human is only one thing. As Martin Luther famously put it, we are both sinners and saints. We're both weeds and wheat and only the owner, only God can judge us. And only God can refine us and make us into something new. Our New Testament text from Paul today reminds us that we are adopted into this kingdom, adopted as children of God. So for this text to be used as a way to claim who is in and who is out, as a way to name someone as a child of the evil one or as weeds that will end up in a furnace, firstly, it completely misses the point. Secondly, it's so incredibly damaging because those who have heard that message that they are not acceptable, not welcome, not good enough are wounded and pushed further away from the God who loves them and adopts them as God's own. And honestly, the disciples, the early hearers of this gospel probably wouldn't have heard the imagery of the furnace as a description of hell as a punishment. In scripture, furnaces are used for all kinds of things, rarely actually for a punishment from God. They're used as a place where God refines, as the actual image of God like itself. There's uh, actually, if you really want a full word study on furnaces in the Bible, um, in my second year of ministry at Bethany in 2017, my sermon on this gospel reading went through all 26 <laughs> different ways the word furnace is used in scripture. It's great. It's on our website. It'll be linked in the description of the videos. Check it out when you have time. But there is more than just one thing happening here. And we as humans are not just one thing. We're complex and filled with so much of God's goodness. We're called to participate in the goodness of God's kingdom, that love and joy and hope and peace and simultaneously we experience and unfortunately participate in the evil of this world in prejudice and selfishness and brokenness and sin we don't need someone with a weed whip mowing everything down we need the careful tending of a god who seeks to grow us to guide us to change us into the whole human beings the whole children of god that we were created to be and on the cross, Jesus experiences the evil ones of this world, prejudice, selfishness, brokenness. Simply put, Jesus experiences sin. And Jesus shows us that God's kingdom is more than the kingdoms of this world. Jesus rises from the dead to refine us with the Holy Spirit's fire, to purify away our own brokenness, and to call us children of God, to make us holy to tend to us for all of our complexities, for all of our joy and all of our brokenness. And Jesus makes us new so that we can be in this world, not deciding who is in and who is out of God's kingdom, not taking a weed whip to complex individual understandings of who we are as humans, but to fully participate in the love, joy, hope, and peace that Jesus brings to us so we can share that goodness with our community and with our world, so that we can recognize the gift, the grace we have been given 
and live into this call, into this adoption, into this family as children of God. Amen.